Welcome to the Hallucination Cafe. I'd like to take you on a journey to an alternative reality, a world of fiction, of horror, of science that doesn't exist. I'm your host, Shelley Ann Wooderson. This is episode one of the Hallucination Cafe podcast. The story is Change is Good, and it's written and read by Shelley Ann Wooderson. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast if you'd like more information and subscribe. Thanks. The world ended on a Wednesday. The four horsemen who'd been on call missed the news and were not in attendance. Actually, everyone missed the news, for at first the end was subtle. I should have known, of course, because it was my birthday. And if the world was going to end, it made sense it would end on my birthday. I was turning 50. It was also the birthday of my mother. Her 78th birthday, and we were, of course, celebrating it together. Celebrating her birth, as we had most of my memorable days. Of course, since my mother was diagnosed with cancer at 72, every birthday was the, well, this could be my last birthday, you know, birthday. So everything was, as usual, about her. My mother was born Cindy Lee Clayton, of the Southern Claytons. As if anyone had ever heard of the Claytons, let alone the Southern ones, and she was the loudest person in any room. That night in the restaurant was no exception. Elizabeth, darling, didn't you invite any friends? No, mother. Oh, why not? You know there should be a man in your life by now. I was thinking you might be holding on till this evening to, you know, introduce us to someone special. I hadn't invited any friends. It was just family. Me, my parents, my brother, my sister, all of us, you will note, decidedly single after witnessing the 60 years of marital bliss my parents had put each other through. And at the far end of the table, wincing at the sound of her grandmother's voice, my beautiful daughter, Bonnie, trying to decide exactly what time was the right time to make the excuse and escape the double birthday of your mother and grandmother. And you down there at the end of the table, I should have had you up near me so I could show my sweet little great-grandbaby how to colour in the menu. Sweet little great-grandbaby was at this moment decidedly swinging her head from side to side, refusing to take any milk from a bottle. At two, her favourite word was no, followed by duck, which thankfully referred to a feathered creature but only because she couldn't enunciate her Fs. Amelia, darling, would you like a cookie? Asked her mom, pulling out a bag of organic, whole-grain, gluten-free, naturally sweetened animal cookies. No! When is the waitress coming to take our drink order? Yelled my half-deaf father into the open space. Arnie, I already ordered you a cup of tea! My mother barked. Don't you remember? Just a couple of minutes ago. He shook his head and picked up his cell phone, reading again the news he'd already read earlier in the day. I looked down at Bonnie and I could see her calculate how much longer she could leave her two-year-old strapped in the restaurant's high chair before the screaming, crying and head-banging against the food tray began. She must have thought the time was out because she unstrapped her daughter, put her on her knee and began to bounce and sing to her. 
Barney's dutiful husband sat to the left, quickly drowning margaritas he'd gone to the bar to get. He was keeping as quiet as possible. On the far right were my aunt and uncle, the last surviving members of my father's family. My aunt at 95 was bent to half her original height and one-third of her original weight. She'd been one of those heavy women, always obese, always on a diet, always cooking, adding extra sugar to the tops of store-bought apple pies and mixing vegetables together with combinations of marshmallow, brown sugar and butter. Here's your drinks, everyone! The waitress had finally arrived with refill margaritas and enough alcohol to keep the rest of the party from killing each other. She walked around taking orders and I prayed the kitchen was faster than the bar. So, what are you up to these days, Davy? My aunt asked my brother. She already knew the answer, of course, but there's no one like family to pour salt in all your wounds. I will never love my brother as much as I did when we were young, before he turned into such a selfish, arrogant shit, but I felt the need to defend him. Auntie, I'm sure I already told you, he's waiting for the patent paperwork on his new invention. And living with us, boomed my mother. It's so nice to have my baby home. Her baby, at 45, had lived at home most of his life. He told the 20-year-old woman he seduced that he owned the house and looked after his parents. And it wasn't that they didn't need looking after, but that certainly wasn't why he lived with them. Davy took me on a cruise last week to the Greek islands for my birthday, said my mother beaming. He's doing so well he decided to spoil me. Mom, that never happened. You saw Mamma Mia on TV last night, but you've never been to the Greek islands. My younger sister felt the need to correct my mother. She was only visiting for a week, spending the time just to cover the birthdays. She still thought Mom could be made to see sense. She didn't spend enough time with her to know that it didn't matter how many times you corrected her, the only reality was the one in her head. I had long grown tired of trying to explain to my mother that she was wrong. In fact, demented. And any prolonged discussion about it just left me feeling like my mother actually was sane. And I was the one losing my mind. The waitress brought a bowl of broth for my aunt. I'd explained the situation to her and she'd been listening enough to bring it with the drinks. I would need to tip her well. It would take auntie an hour to eat the soup. After years of being the biggest person in my life, she was a shell of her former self. She could barely swallow, hardly breathe. I'd picked them up at the home, both her and my uncle. He sat next to her, the docile, sweet man who no longer remembered me or remembered the war stories he'd spent years repeating to me. He couldn't even remember the words he used to use or hear his own voice if he spoke. At 98, he spent his time staring at his wife with loving eyes, not more than a movable piece of furniture who would be returned to the lockdown facility at the end of the event. Thank you for bringing us, dear, said my aunt, 
and I smiled back. After all, how many more years would I have with them? How many more times would I have the chance to see them? Every time I saw them, I thought it would be the last. So, Elizabeth, where are all your friends? You're turning 50, dear. Shouldn't there be someone who wants to celebrate it with you? My mother had to repeat, either because she didn't remember asking the question earlier or because she wanted to make sure that the salt she'd poured in the wounds was properly ground in. I never invited my friends to these things. Who would want to put them through this? After all, I was only turning 50. My friends could take me out to lunch from work or better yet, as I was desperately hoping they would do completely forget that I'd turned 50 at all. Forgetting this birthday seemed like the only viable option. It must have been some time during the infinitely long, we've only gotten our drinks and the waiters disappeared again, period, that the world ended. Not of course in our Mexican restaurant, but actually on the other side of the world in Japan. I know people always said the world would end in the Middle East, but instead it ended in a lab on a beautiful summer's day with a nerd in a lab coat who had the flu. The nerd, whose name would soon become famous even though it was completely unpronounceable, was trying to find a cure for cancer. And sometime Wednesday morning, our sniffly little genius would mix this and that and sneeze on the results. The rest, as they say, is history. Doctor, completely unpronounceable, had invented a cure for cancer. You know, dear, you're not getting any younger. You really should have someone in your life. I mean, who are you going to spend your time with when your father and I are gone? I knew I wasn't getting any younger. I'd watched the lines move from around my mouth to inside my cheeks. My face was slowly folding in on itself, while at the same time the strong chin of my youth had softened to another roll, slowly connecting my head to my chest, to my hips, to my thighs. I reached for another bread roll and shoved it almost whole into my mouth. It was the closest thing to a gag I could find. You know, you really shouldn't eat so many carbs. If you wanted to find a man, you really need to drop a dress size or two. And have you been using the night cream I gave you? I mean, I think your skin is starting to look worse than mine. Where's the food? Asked my dad, stopping me from screaming across the table. No, 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 no. Bonnie was trying to put Amelia back in the high chair as the food was approaching. Okay, baby. Amelia won again. Once again, she would sit on her mother's knee through dinner and Bonnie would feed the baby rather than herself. Bonnie looked so tired. But then, Amelia didn't sleep through the night yet. Don't cater to her, Bonnie. You're only giving her bad habits. Amelia's father, after four margaritas, had decided that he was the parenting expert. Look, here comes the food, I called out, and the waitress started to lay out steaming plates in front of everyone. The cure for cancer had been long sought, as had a cure for aging, and he'd done it. He'd come up with a cure for everything. A little DNA compound he'd be playing with was the cure for it all. 
it stopped cellular change in its tracks. If there was a cancer growing, it stopped. If a cell was aging, it stopped. If a cell was going to mutate, it didn't. If a cell was about to get attacked by a virus or bacteria, the virus or bacteria was unable to affect it. The cell would stay the same. After our dinner, which was over at seven o'clock so that we could all be asleep early, I dropped my aunt and uncle off at their respective old people prisons and drove home to my prison with my parents. I'd worked out years earlier that my parents were not going to be able to live in a facility, so I had moved in with them. And now, of course, Davy had moved in with us. My only escape was going to work. Of course, the cure sounds amazing or awesome, as the kids used to say. Absolutely fucking awesome. No more cancer, no more disease, no more death, no more death. And if Dr. I finally won my Nobel Prize had just used a tissue to blow his nose, maybe it would have been. Maybe. Do you remember when people always used to carry a handkerchief in the sleeve of their shirt? And maybe it wasn't so hygienic, but honestly, it was better than nothing. Do you remember when the kids you went to school with had balled up pieces of toilet paper in their sleeve? And yeah, most of them were filled with chunky green boogers, but at least they had something to use. Now they just tell the kids to sneeze into their elbow, and maybe he did. But elbows don't catch anything. And it didn't work out so well. And at some point... He sneezed into that magical concoction. And the next thing you know, his boogers mixed with the miracle cure. At least that's what they worked out later, much later. The cure was airborne and contagious and no one knew. At least that's what they say now. Like most deadly viruses, it traveled worldwide in about seven days. Within a month, it was a pandemic. A pandemic no one knew about. No one got sick during this pandemic. Or sick ever after. I don't remember getting the bug, but I know I did. And so did everyone. Yesterday was my birthday. And my mother's birthday. My 100th birthday. And my mother's 128th birthday. I look just the same as I did at 50. My cheeks are still folding into my face. And my mom looks just the same as she did at 78. And my aunt was there, just sipping stock through a straw. And my uncle, at 148, still looked lovingly at his wife. My brother's gone, of course, too cowardly to stay the course. And my sister found an excuse to not attend the evening. At the far end of the table, my beautiful, tired, single daughter Bonnie was there with Amelia bouncing on her lap. You know, dear, said my mother, I was really hoping you were going to bring a man tonight. You know, your father and I won't be here forever. And who are you going to spend your time with then? 
This was episode one of the Hallucination Cafe. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'm looking for writers who would like to submit stories to this little podcast. Uh, If you think you have something that may be appropriate, please drop me a line. I hope to be getting out one podcast a week until I've caught up on a little bit of a backlog. And after that, it's going to be once a month. Thank you so much. Uh, you can catch this at www.hallucinationpodcast.com or wherever you catch your podcast. Just find it, subscribe. If you liked it, tell your friends about it. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.